When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you believe that there is more to life than what you see right now and you want to find out more, listen in as her guests share their journey and their extraordinary experiences. Now, here is your host, Rhonda Grant. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show. Sometimes the universe has a way of placing people or obstacles in your path to help guide and direct you on your mission. Listen in as we discover the path my guest has traveled. Has she been inspired by a calling, crafted her journey, or a bit of both? I invite you to embrace the conversation and to use it to help you to recognize if this is happening in your life. Our guest today is Dr. Etta D. Jackson. Etta has been in service to the light all of her life, having agreed to come to the planet to help in its liberation from the bondage of ignorance. She spoke those words as a child, but did not know the meaning of them until long after the light informed her she would write her first book, Understanding Your Choice, and later Unveiling the Secret of the Feminine Principle and the Role of Consciousness in Governance. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show, Etta. Thank you, Rhonda. Thank you for inviting me. It's so wonderful to have you on my show. I was so excited about this moment. Can you let the audience know a little bit about your background? Okay. Um, well, I grew up in, I was born in Jamaica and went to high school there. And then in 1965, I came to the United States, to Washington, D.C., to Howard University to do a bachelor's degree in, at that time, it was called zoology. Yes. I wanted to do a pre-med degree. And at that time, zoology was a major that you, um, you did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was in Washington, D.C. for two years. And then I transferred to Southern Illinois University in Edwardsville. And that's where I completed my bachelor's degree in biology. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. With a minor in chemistry, physics, and math. Oh, that must have been tough. (laughs) Yeah, but I had always wanted to to be a doctor, a medical doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was what you had to do. That was a pre-med um, requirements. So those were the requirements. So that's what you did. Um, so I graduated from Southern Illinois University and um, again wanted to do medicine, mm-hmm. but something happened. What happened? One day I was 
I felt like I was at a crossroads in my yeah. life. Yes. And um, just put my head in my hand one day and just with from the bottom of my heart said, spirit, what should I do? And I had this a, a, a slip of paper appear in, appeared in front of me. Mm-hmm. And on it was typed guidance-counseling. Mm. Now, I had never heard of that before because my orientation was the sciences. Yes. And this was more sociology, psychology. And so I called my cousin and I said, what is guidance and counseling? She says, oh, yeah, they give a master's degree in guidance and counseling. And that led me in a completely different direction. And um, I was in Wisconsin at the time, in Milwaukee, and Spirit told me to come back to New York. And there was this program in at Long Island University, the only one of its kind in the country at that time, in psychoanalytic guidance and counseling. And I think that that was a turning point for me personally. Okay. Because it was not just a master's degree in psychoanalytic um, counseling and development or guidance and counseling. Mm -hmm. But I saw myself in all the cases, case studies that I did. And I could relate to the issues. And um, that each one of those um, characters in these case studies were going through And it resulted in um, just a deep transformational um, experience for me. And uh, and I, in retrospect, I saw how all of that was part of the setup for my own spiritual journey, that I had to go deep into myself in order to um, get into the deeper knowledge and understanding of the mysteries and my own transformation, my own, because the spiritual transformation is a physical, emotional, mental process mm-hmm. of death and rebirth. And so that, that was a significant experience for me. And I always said I got a master's degree out of it, but for me, it was like my own personal therapy that I did that master's degree. So that was that. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a daughter. Yeah. And I have a grandson. Nice. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, wonderful. uh, Yes. And um, trying to think of what else. I did uh, that master's degree in um, guidance and counseling. Then I did a second master's degree in administrative leadership and supervision. And then um, six years ago now, (laughs) just thinking about it, this Mm -hmm. PhD that I had been wanting to do for a long time, the universe said, I'm going to send you back to school to do it. And so I did it. And that became really an interesting thing. I've noticed that every time I'm sent back to school, it's for the purpose of advancing the work that I came here to do. So I get a degree, but it's about a whole lot more than just getting a degree because Mm -hmm. that degree, that master's, that PhD allowed me to do the pilot for my organization um, in Kenya. And so um, 
I was able to do the pilot that I we could not figure out how we were going to find the finances to get it done. So I got to do it as my dissertation um, research, which um, again showed me the fantastic dance of the universe and how mm-hmm. it orchestrates everything to bring about the outcome that your your soul desires and that you came here to do. So so that's a little about me, my background. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about mm-hmm. spirit guided you to the work that you do, how did you recognize that? Like, I'm just thinking about our listening audience, because lots of people get intuitive hits and messages. And sometimes they think, oh, they just shrug it off and they don't listen and they don't follow it up. Yeah. But it sounds like you really obeyed spirit. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. it doesn't mean that your life was easy because you obeyed the spirit. Can you t- talk to us a little bit about how that felt in your body yeah. and and what it felt like when you set off on that journey that you were being told to follow? Mm-hmm. Yes. No, that is true. That is so true. So from I was young um, and in my recollection about six, seven years old, um, I had this light, this golden white light that enveloped me from a child. And there was a clear sense from I was young, Rhonda, that I came to the planet purposefully. And this relationship with this light was almost to guide me mm-hmm. in that plan that I had come to the planet to undertake. And so um, this is, a re- and so this relationship with this light has been very intimate. Yes. And, and there was a sense in my being that um, there was a plan. There was a divine plan. And that I came here purposefully as part of that plan. So I, it wasn't something that I could shrug off because mm-hmm. it's almost like I felt too that I had this, I was on the planet, but I was also kind of living in two worlds yeah. um, because I was clear about the world that I came from to come here. You know, not all the details, but there was this clear in knowledge in myself that in your cells, yeah. Yes. And that's what I, I used to say that to my mom mm-hmm. that what I know is not in my head. Yeah. It's in every cell of my body. Ah, I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was a clear knowing. And so there was no second guessing the light, that knowledge, what I came here to do. And of course, when I was young, I had no knowledge of what that was. I just knew that I had come here to do, to help with humanity's um, unfoldment. And, you know, as six or seven years old, what do you know about humanity's unfoldment? I just knew intuitively in myself that that's what I came to do. And it was not until later that Mm -hmm. I began to make meaning of those words that I was saying as a youngster. And, um, and the first time was 
or when it became more profound was when the light gave me the information about writing the book, Understanding Your Choice. Mm-hmm. And that that was when I began to say, oh, that's what this me- meant when I was talking about helping humanity. And it was really, it wasn't un- until after I'd written all three books and I began to see the scope of the books. Mm-hmm. You know, when you t- kind of take a step back and you say, wait a minute, you know, because there are times when Rhonda, I think I say to myself, did I write all of this information? I know. Because it's such a profound body of knowledge and information. Yeah. I know. It, it's incredible. Yeah. And um, so that's when I began to realize what um, assisting humanity was really about and then i and as i in my own spiritual journey and 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 my my work i realized it's really not so much the bondage that humanity is in is one of ignorance that is the real bondage okay there's your bondage right there yes the The, bondage of ignorance the bondage of ignorance. ignorance Yes. And so it was after I completed writing the books that I recognized that this is what I was talking about back then as a child, mm-hmm. about helping to liberate humanity, that it wasn't that I was going to be out there, you know, feeding people and mm-hmm. fighting, you know, you know, social issues necessarily but that this body of knowledge would actually liberate humanity and that that is really the greatest bondage that humanity is in. And that, because when you are to have freedom, you must have knowledge and that these books were providing that knowledge that would liberate you and that your monetary or physical property acquisition mm-hmm. was not essential to your freedom. No, in not fact, at all. In many instances, it could be an encumbrance to your spiritual freedom. And when you're free spiritually, you're free. When and you're, you're so free, wealthy. <laughs> when you're free spiritually, you are free. You're free. Indeed, yes. So when you're free spiritually... Does that mean that you are operating directly from your soul's journey, your soul's mission that you've came here to do? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and the books really were meant to help you get to that place. And to get to that place, you must have knowledge. And as I had talked about before on another interview, it's not Mm -hmm. enough to have a feeling of being free but you must know that it's mm-hmm. uh it must also be a cognitive understanding of how that liberation takes place on a cellular level and mm-hmm. why the arcane knowledge because that helps you structurally to understand the process mm-hmm. of what happens in your body mm-hmm. in your physical emotional and mental bodies to yes. bring it about Yes. And, you know, cliche, they say, is the longest journey you'll ever take is from your head to your heart. Yes. 
And a lot of people, and uh, I don't know if you have a teaching around this, they don't know how to go to their heart. Yeah. The only time a person, and, and I remember my own journey, the time I was in my heart is when it's such softness and you know it's like a, a newborn baby and mm-hmm. you just have a wonderment and a bliss Absolutely. inside your body mm-hmm. but then it goes away yeah but is that where we need to be is that the yeah. expansiveness of our capability of our love for humanity our love for ourselves our love for our mm-hmm. mission is mm-hmm. to reside there permanently permanently that love that you talk about mm-hmm. to have that permanently established in your being. Mm-hmm. And that is what enlightenment actually is. It's not just a feeling that is transient, but it's permanent. And that there's a process of unfoldment that allows that permanentness, if there's such a word, in your being that you become. You be you, you don't just feel that, but you become all of what you feel because your your cells become completely awakened. Yes. Just vibrating. Knowledge. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And you're a living being, a living tree of life. A living tree of life. Yes. You know, something uh, that I'm writing on Mm -hmm. is what I notice. I haven't noticed it in men. I've noticed it in women. They went, men have it too. But age with a woman mm-hmm. uh, brings a grace to them. Yes. And they step into who they are, their knowledge. Yeah. And I'm wondering, why, why do we wait our whole life, our whole existence until we're 80, 90, in order to step into yeah. that, that grace? Yeah, well... And, the astrologically, you know, mm-hmm. we go through these periods of development. Okay. There's a whole trajectory when you're seven, you know, when oh, you're yes. 21, when you're 28, when you're 40, 41, you're 49. <laughs> there's certain astrological changes that take place. Mm-hmm. And depending on whether you've availed yourself well enough of the knowledge that has been presented to you, um, you keep evolving in consciousness. Your mm-hmm. physical body matures, and, and if you're eating healthily, you will have the physical capacity to hold certain energies mm-hmm. from the right foods. And then you begin to develop emotionally uh, more and more and mentally. And, and so th- that vehicle that personality vehicle then begins to develop. And there's a trajectory for that. There's a process that we go through and why these ages, you know, different age points Mm -hmm. that we come to have significance in terms of our development. And um, again, each soul is here on his or own own journey. So some develop, you know, faster than others but at the age of 49 that's when it's kind of seven times seven um okay come into a period where um you 
have the ability to really come into your own and to reach, reach that point of spiritual awakening. Okay. Where you're now ready to be able to serve humanity because you have developed physically, emotionally, and mentally to a point where you have been, you're able to house your soul. So your soul and your personality are fused and you become a soul infused personality ready for the infusion of your spirit to be able to dwell in you because you have to build a house. You have to, you know, and, and to one of my books or mm -hmm. I think I mentioned that in both the first and the third about masonry, yes. you know, we talk about masonry and what it really is mm -hmm. contrary to, you know, the opinions that people, most people have about masonry, but that's what it's meant to do is to help you construct that temple, not mm -hmm. made with hands that's, you know, written about, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, because there's a precision to the building of that temple, which is nothing other than your personality vehicle, capable. Because it has to have a certain vibra vibration to be yes. able to house your spirit so that you become one with your spirit. You become both God and man. Or you come into the realization, because you always were, but you come into the realization consciously mm -hmm. of being both God and man. But each person is here also on his own soul trajectory. And there are some souls that are young, even though chronologically they're old. Mm -hmm. that, you know, in terms of their experience here on planet Earth, yes. they have not had that many incarnations and they have not evolved to the place where they can behave in a way that, you know, one would expect that at that age that they would be able to um, function and operate. But everyone is on his own journey and it's, it's appropriate. Mm -hmm. But women also, and why that book, Unveiling the Secrets of the Feminine Principle, yes. um, I needed to write, you know, but that was one of the, that was the other title that was yeah. given to me toward the end of writing the first book on mm -hmm. unveiling the secrets of the feminine principle and the role of consciousness in governance later. And it's to that what you're saying, Rhonda, about the feminine. And part of what I think has happened, that I think I know, and we all know this, that the feminine understanding of life has been missing from the equation, from the decision-making processes, especially in the government and places where it really matters in terms of the impact on humanity. And why I, I know that book needed to be written to help remind women who they really are and how powerful they are, that they are, in fact, the third aspect of the Godhead. Mm -hmm. And that they're not second class citizens and that they help. They, it's the feminine that brought all things into manifestation. Yes. You know, and so um, so there's a sensitivity that the feminine has that is characteristic of the feminine. And she has a role and a powerful equal role to play in humanity's creation, the creation of the planet and its evolution. And that we cannot really, 
expect to achieve the freedom on the planet unless her voice, her influence and her impact is equally felt. And that's why the age of Aquarius is yes. the age of the feminine. This is, Isis, <laughs> this is where Isis comes forth and she's, she's takes, she unrobes yes. and um, Isis unveil. And she's now bringing this ancient knowledge to the forefront and why I was asked to write that book, Unveiling the Secrets of the Feminine Principle. So you can actually get a better, better and deeper understanding of who she is, what yes. her role is. And to get ready for her unveiling um, in this next 2100 years that's ahead of us in the Aquarian age. Mm -hmm. Profound. Yeah. Profound chat yeah. we're having here, Ada, <laughs> <laughs> on this lovely afternoon. Yeah. So when we go back to the soul, you were talking about the soul nudging you. But there's some of us has actually have got a, a little bit bigger than a nudge mm -hmm. to awaken. You know, we yes. have these incidences in our lives that if we're not on the right track, that the soul is quite diligent in mm -hmm. what they want you to do and what your life is to be like. Yes. And they'll give you a setback. Mm -hmm. Is it like for a reset or is it just to come home? Is it the soul trying to wake you up by these sudden jolts? Yeah. yeah. Can you talk you know, to us about that? Because a lot of you, people are having these types of experiences yes. or we're finding out about them because of the information age, right? Yes. And, and when you were talking, I thought about, you know, the notion that we have free will. And there is a lot of discussion about whether that is so or not. Mm -hmm. And what I know is that we believe we have free will. Or we you believe, that, believe we that you have free will. We may not. <laughs> <laughs> you're made to believe that you have free will. <laughs> and your soul say, okay, I'll let you play with that for a while. <laughs> yeah, well, it has a little bit of a rain on that and see how you do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then the soul says, okay, your free will is over. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now it's down to business. We've got exactly. some work to do here. <laughs> that is so funny. But it's the truth. It's the truth. Yes. And when yeah. you realize it, yeah. it's like, how come I didn't see that before? Yeah, okay, you weren't ready. <laughs> Well, you're not ready because the veil is is neatly yes, over exactly. our eyes, isn't it? Yes, Can you talk yes. to us about that? Because there's some audience members who are just saying, just tell me how I do it. Like, just tell yes. me what I'm supposed to do so that I can become more enlightened. Yeah. Well, you know, um, it's desire that brought us into incarnation. Yes. And it's desire that is going to cause the veil to remove. Ah, beautiful. That is just beautiful. And that's yes. exactly what it is. It's a desire that it will take us home. Yes. So you must give intent to what you want to achieve mm -hmm. in your life. Ah. When you get to that place when you can say, I desire to know, mm -hmm. it will come. And it's just that simple. And when the floodgates open. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and let go. 
But many people are afraid of what might happen if they would let go. But Mm -hmm. it cannot happen until you surrender, you let go. And then you get to experience things that you never would have imagined. But it cannot happen until. And you must want it. Mm -hmm. I, I tell the story that the ancients talk about also, the ancient wisdom teachings, is that The candidate for initiation, and this is all symbolic, um, must stand at the door of the temple and knock for three years before the door of the temple is opened up to him, that he can come in. And that's how, so that is emblematic of somebody who wants something and wants it so badly that they would stand at the door and knock for three years. And of course, it, you know, it's all symbolic. And that's the level of sincerity, desire, to want to know, to want to be, to enter into that temple so that I can know more. And until you get to that place where you want this, the door will not be open to you. Mm-hmm. Because the soul also knows whether you are, this is just some ego trip that you're on, yes. or this is something that you're serious about. Because mm-hmm. this level of knowledge is for the mature, for the person who is emotionally and mentally mature and able to integrate, accept, integrate, and use this information. So you qualify yourself, really. And nobody's keeping anything from you. Mm-hmm. You're keeping it from yourself. When you get to, you must come to the place where you want this and want it more than anything else, and it will be given to you. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 when you ask, you really don't know what you're asking for. It's yeah. just that you know that you're ready. Yes, for more. Yes, but more than I have now. <laughs> more than you have now, more than yes. where you are yes. right now in your being. Exactly. And it's having the courage to ask for more, want more, mm-hmm. because we need to be in a place of receiving, don't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I talk about, you know, in the tarot key five, yes. um, where the... The entity in the key is the hierophant, which represents our our soul, our inner teacher. Inner teacher. Yes. And the the sign, the zodiacal sign associated with key five, the hierophant, is Taurus, which is associated with hearing okay. or inner hearing. And and the the key has these two acolytes kneeling at the feet of the hierophant. And he's kneeling symbolically because he's come to the place where he realizes he needs to hear. Again, hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not just listening, but he's now ready to hear. So you have to get yourself to that place mm-hmm. of receivership where you've emptied yourself of what you think you know, and you're now ready for your soul to really on reveal those inner knowledge to you. So it's a surrender. It's a surrender. Yes. And until you get to that place, 
because you have to get yourself to that place. Your soul is always nudging you, but right. you have to listen enough to get yourself to realize that I am in need of this, of more. And then you kneel in humility mm -hmm. to your soul, not to any other, not any teacher, guru or whomever, but at the feet of your own soul and says, I'm now ready because I've emptied myself um, of what I think I know. Mm -hmm. And I'm ready to hear. I'm ready to hear. And that is the posture that one has to have to begin his journey in, in, in earnest. Mm -hmm. I like the way you have referred to your soul, not just you, because there are some of us that don't really, well, a lot of us don't know our journey. We're putting one foot in front of the other. Mm -hmm. And when we get off track, it's bigger than a nudge. Because some sometimes we don't know where we're headed, mm -hmm. and sometimes the soul has to give you a bigger sort of mm -hmm. behavior yep. or obstacle mm -hmm. in order to calibrate you for the next level. Is yes, yes. I, I that what come came to mind as you were saying that Rhonda, is Saturn. Saturn okay. is your celestial teacher. And he says, I will nudge you. Yes. And if you don't pay attention, I will nudge you a little harder. And if you still don't hear me and pay attention, I will just break your house down. <laughs> 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 but you will hear me <laughs> because I am here to help you get home. You know, so... Um, home to your true your essence. own self, exactly. Your own self, yes, to the true you, to the divine being that you really are, and that is the that is the journey is to into our own, our own God self. Because as I said in the beginning, we're both God and man, but we have forgotten that in the descent into matter, and we are and 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 as you might remember that I was told that the, the book Understanding Your Choice should be couched in the story of the prodigal son. Yes. Yes. And all of us, like the prodigal son, have gone into the far country. <laughs> yes. We all went into the far country. Every, yeah. every, every person, every country, every institution has gone into the far country. And purposefully, that was the, that was always a plan that would come and we would leave home mm -hmm. symbolically and go out to go have experiences. And then at a certain point in that experience, we would reverse our path and make our way home. And um, and it's like Saturn might be saying to you, I think you're having too much fun in the far country. It's not time to go home. <laughs> So you get these nudges. <laughs> Time to turn around. <laughs> Time to turn around. Yes. And so we've been here before. Mm -hmm. And we have chosen to come at this time. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, we've been, we've had many incarnations here. Okay. Most of us. <laughs> 
most of us, there's some new souls, relatively new souls to the planet, but most of us, there are many souls who have been here and they're helping to midwife the planet into its birthing. Um, but we've been here and it's all about the awakening into the realization of who we are as divine beings. And again, as I talk about in the um, about the prodigal son, the prodigal son, unlike the story that religion has taught that yes. we're thrown out of heaven because we sinned and we were cast out. Mm-hmm. And they wanted me to make the point that that's not true and that the story of the prodigal son really um, sim- symbolizes the actual decision that we made. He did not, he wasn't cast out of the father's house. He made a decision to leave. Mm-hmm. And he made a decision to leave because he wanted to go, ex- he wanted to go experience more and knew that he could not do that if he had stayed in that cloistered environment of the father's house where he had all access and so-called privilege and mm-hmm. security that we have to go into uncharted territory if yes. we are to really understand and know who we are. We have to be challenged. We have to be stretched. And that doesn't happen until you leave the secure, safe place, whether it's physically, emotionally, or mentally, to go into distant lands, into the far country, to have experiences that you couldn't have otherwise. And so all of us have come here to add to the whole, the knowledge of the whole, by having experiences in our individual and collective selves to expand the the, the knowledge of the universe. Mm-hmm. Because every experience we're having is adding to the whole. Okay. Every experience we're having is adding to the whole. So how does that add to the whole? Yeah. Well, every each one of us is a cell. Yes. In the body. Like epigenetics? Yes. Yes, it's, it's like uh, epigenetics. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah. exactly. So mm-hmm. every experience that you have impacts yeah. the whole. Yeah. And so the, you know, like the web, because we're all interconnected, I can't have an experience that doesn't impact you because we're all part of one whole. And so um, the whole gets to experience itself in a new way by every experience that you have, I have, everybody else has. So the more we reside in our heart, Mm -hmm. the more people will recognize your individual light Mm -hmm. and perhaps hunger for that and step into where they are Mm -hmm. going. I mean, are we... Absolutely. I I think I understand what you're saying because um, as you evolve, Mm -hmm. you're impacting everyone and helping others to wake up. So there there is only a critical mass that is needed to shift the whole... The the whole... The whole... Consciousness. Yeah. The whole web. Because... Um, the consciousness of those who are, have raised their vibration and are at a certain level of consciousness automatically impact the whole, you know, the whole web. 
Mm-hmm. You're listening to the Rhonda Grant Show right now, whose podcast has been treated with digital audio health by my sponsor, Symatrex. And today I have the wonderful pleasure to interview Etta D. Jackson, and she's going to let you know where you may purchase her books, which she has four, currently has four books, and also how you may reach out to her. Thank you, Rhonda. So again, my name is Etta Jackson, and my website is very simple www.edadjackson.com. And um, again, I've written four books. Um, the first one is Understanding Your Choice. The yes. second is Unveiling the Secrets of the Feminine Principle. Yes. The third is The Role of Consciousness in Governance. And the fourth is actually Chapter 8 of my third book. The title of that book is The Idea That is the United States of America. And I thought that that chapter needed to be made more available and why I made it into an ebook, and now it's available also in paperback. But um, those are the four books I was guided to write. And these are my gifts to you and hope that they serve the purpose for which they were written. Just to help guide you home. (laughs) Oh, boy. I am currently reading The Feminine Principle. And no, sorry, I'm not reading that one. I'm reading Understanding Your Choice is the one that I'm reading. I've not even done that book and I've purchased the other one. And it is so enlightening, but there's a better word to it. It's almost like I felt that I was home reading because you were telling me things that I seemed to know, but I couldn't get enough of it. I hungered for every single page, wanting to know where you were going to take me on this journey. And yeah, I say to the audience, buy the book, you will not regret it. It's the most beautiful piece of literature I've ever read. And so I honor you for that, Etta. Thank you so much. That is so kind of you. But as I said, I, I'm glad to hear that because um, the process was such an intense one of writing that book and bringing this information to the public. And it's wonderful to hear that it has been received in the spirit that it was written and, and presented. Wonderful. Really touched my heart. <laughs> Thank you. Do you feel, and I already know the answer to this, but the but the audience do want to know, do you feel that you've been called to your journey, crafted it, or a bit of both? I, I would say that I think I called myself. <laughs> you think you called yourself. Well, bravo. <laughs> yes, because from a child, I've had this knowledge that I came here consciously. Yes that I was born like everybody else, but that I made a conscious decision to come here. And so in terms of being called, um, I called myself. I always, I feel like I'm, I'm part of this team, mm-hmm. right? That there's an assignment that needs to be undertaken. And I said, I will be a part of that team to come down. That's that's the sense I get, and I've always had. 
And I think part of it too, Rhonda, is that I know that I have lived on many, many, many places (laughs) in the universe. And I felt that I had the capacity to help. So like I volunteered, I'll go, I'll, I'll help. That's the sense I got. So that's, that's my answer to that question. Well, that's just incredible. I yeah. love that. Yeah. So, so it wasn't by chance. You know, it was yeah. very intentful and purposeful. And why I think my life has been an interesting one, because I've made all kinds of sacrifices to do what I've done, yeah. all of what I've done. Yeah. And it's because I know how important all of this is to the whole and it's not like I'm here to save humanity. I know the piece that I, or pieces that I came to do, because I, all of us have our particular role to play okay. and our piece of that puzzle to fill out. Okay. And I am very intentful and very conscious um, in what I know that I came to do. And I trust that everyone else who has their piece to do. do, do it with that level of commitment so that we can complete the plan. Can you let the audience know how they could learn how to know why they are here? Just ask. <laughs> it's really that simple. Ask. It's, it's really asking. That simple. And it's then paying attention. And paying attention. Absolutely. Pay attention. Mm-hmm. And let go, let go okay. of preconceived ideas about how you think things should go. Because we're so conditioned. Yes, absolutely. And like that imagery that I um, spoke about earlier of the two acolytes kneeling at the feet of the yes. Hierophant, yes. humility. And they, they, they got there because they had emptied themselves of preconceived notions of what they thought they knew and how things were supposed to be. And they were now ready to hear. And only in at that point that you really can hear the voice. And it's called the voice of the silence. The voice of the silence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, but a lot of people are living their life listening to the roommate in their head that's constantly mm-hmm. chattering. Yes. Really and it's and it's not until they sit in a meditation and meditations mm-hmm. for a long time that the roommate starts to say, I'm starting to pack my bags now because you're not paying attention. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. And so then you come to a point that there's no thoughts anymore. You're just residing. Yes. And you're listening and you're paying attention. Yes. Because you're ready to hear. Because you're ready to hear. Yes. And hearing is inner hearing, inner hearing. It's yeah. So it's intuition. Yeah. Some thoughts of intuition. Yes. Acting on them because I find that with intuition, like sometimes I said, oh, yes, I'll remember that. No, 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 you don't. I now I now carry a little tiny book with a pen in my wall, in my purse, mm-hmm. to make sure that I jot anything down that comes to comes me. to you, yes. I know I might forget. Mm-hmm. And so that's a good practice until... And you- that's also a sign that you're ready to hear. 
you know, because you're saying, okay. okay, I am now ready to hear. So I am going to put in place the mechanism to make sure that I record what I hear. And that is also a sign that now I'm, I am ready. I'm not going to make up my own ideas about how things should be. I'm ready to listen. Yes. And so then when you do that, more mm-hmm. information more, comes. More information comes. <laughs> you know, you're just opening up. <laughs> it's like opening yeah. up the faucet. <laughs> it's like opening. So you have to be at a computer. You have to type really fast yeah, or yeah. you have to have a pen and paper. Yes. You know, lots of, pen, lots of paper. It's just wonderful. It's such a it wonderful, is. wonderful, uh, beautiful journey. Yes. What extraordinary discovery have you found in your life? Well, I love what, and I'm going to reco- um, recount this story. Um, you might have heard about the way in which I met with Dr. Eugene Withward, who okay. wrote the preface to my book. Yes. And it was not until I started doing these podcasts that I really reflected on really the magic, the beauty, the synchronicity, the dance, um, and how powerful this is. Because when the light told me that Dr. Whisworth was the only, only person in the world. The only one. The only one. I said, how could that be in my mind? How could that, how could one person in the whole world of billions of people be the only one that could write the preface to my book? But it was true. And it was true. <laughs> but you see, you asked the question, <laughs> how is it? How is it? Uh-huh. Because because he had been given this information, the only person who had been given this information about this book to be written. Yeah. And, you know, I was doing the calculation a couple of days ago and realized that I was 12 years old when he was given this information about this book to be written. Yeah, because he was given the information and he was watching for that book. Yes, he? for that book to come into manifestation. That's incredible. Like I have goose, I have all the cells are chattering to each other in my body right now. And they have been quite a bit during this conversation. (laughs) Yeah. But you see, that's what really hit home to me is here you got the message 25 years before you put pen to paper, so to speak. Yes. Uh huh. And in the meantime, you were 12 when he was told that this this book book was was to come into manifestation and I was told he could not write the book and he was told what was to be the content of this book. And he was the only person. So when I met him, yes, he was the only person. I was 12 and, you know, that was 1958 when he got this information. And, Mm And yeah, because I got the message to write the book in 1975. So can you tell us more about that? Did someone tell you about where he was? Like, how did you end up speaking with him? Yeah, well, again, you asked the question, what has intrigued me or whatever? I don't remember the question, but that's what makes it so incredible to me. And I've been able to, I've been reflecting on that over the past few weeks. And it's like, wow. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if, if we have any doubt that everything is interconnected, that to me, you know, disprove any doubt that we have that, you know, everything is all interconnected and that we're all one and that there is no separation and there's one mind and there's one reality. So I complete the book, mm-hmm. Understanding Your Choice. And the light says to me, the book needs a preface. And um, but there's only this one person in the world who could write this preface, and it's Dr. Eugene Whitworth. And yes, I did know of him because I had read his book, but of course didn't know this man. And I'm saying when the light said he's the only one who can write this, first of all, I was just like, are you kidding? One only in the world? (laughs) (laughs) And then I come back from London and I'm in Southern um, California in Mission Viejo at my friend's house. We had gone to Thailand together years before. And her friend came over, a friend that I also knew because she went on the trip too. But that friend brought a friend. And the friend, I was introduced to the friend, and the friend said, I am here at a workshop given by Dr. (laughs) Withworth. And I said, Dr. Who? (laughs) Dr. Withworth. And I said, okay, (laughs) this is interesting. (laughs) And so she says, yes, he's giving a workshop in Laguna Beach, which was like about 10 miles from where I was in Mission Viejo. So I thought, okay, I think this is the setup. (laughs) So I Mm -hmm. said to her, well, you know, I wrote a book and it would be really nice if Dr. Whisford, you know, would, I would like to ask Dr. Whisford to write the preface to it. Mm -hmm. And I knew, I just was expecting the lady to say, lady, (laughs) he doesn't know you. (laughs) He doesn't know you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Write the preface to your book. But she didn't. And again, because he was told these many years ago that um, this book was was to be written. And he was looking at every book that friends were writing Mm -hmm. to see if it, in fact, was the book that he was told would come into manifestation. But she Mm -hmm. went back to Chicago. She said, I live in Chicago. And when I go back, I will write him and ask him, you know, tell him that I meet, met you and ask him if he would write the preface. And she did that. And um, he told her to tell me, I want to know everything about her. And I wanted, I want to see the synopsis of each of the chapters of the book, yes. because, of course, he knew exactly what the book was supposed to be about. And so I sent them to her. And he wrote her back to say, tell her I want to read the whole manuscript. So I sent him the manuscript and um, and he read it. And I called him two weeks. I mean, two weeks later, I was back in London and I said, Dr. Whitford, this is Etta Jackson. And then he said, kid, what a contribution you're about to make to humanity. <laughs> Un- unbelievable. Yes. Yes. And then he began, he told me the story about how um, he he kept saying many, 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 many years ago. And as he was saying the many, 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 I heard 46 years intuitively. Oh, okay. 46 years prior. And was it? He he said the boys upstairs told him that this book was to be written. 
and gave him, told him the content of the book, but that he couldn't write it and that someone would come along. And I was just blown away. So to answer your question, I that that story of how I connected with Dr. Whitworth and how he was given this information. Here I was, I was a girl in Jamaica, mm-hmm. you know, and he's from the United States. He's male, white, I'm black, you know, but, you know, all of the boundaries were dissolved in this relationship between he and I and that he had mm-hmm. been holding this vision for all these years for this book to come into manifestation. And now I am sitting in front of him and he's telling me the story. And that, in fact, he was, in fact, the only person who could write the preface to the book. And, and as I read the preface now, because, you know, I write and you go on with your life. Mm-hmm. It's over the past couple of weeks, I will back and, and, read, and read the preface. And yes. I thought, wow, yeah. Because the preface also spoke to what they had told me was to be how the book should be written. They told me that this vast body of arcane knowledge needed to be presented in the simplest possible way so that it would be available to the largest percentage of humanity. And as I read Dr. Withford's preface, that's exactly what I, you know, in his mind, I accomplished by, um, by, by writing the book. So, uh, and I think that part of it was I needed, here I was as a woman, I'm black, and here was this male, you know, with a PhD, and um, the validation that, you know, him writing the preface and speaking so um, honestly and factually and about the work, mm-hmm. I think, was also helpful. But I was just awed that here was this relationship that existed for all these years energetically that I knew nothing about and um, just just confirms the power the beauty of this dance of life that we are all a part of Mm -hmm. and that we're all one and that we are all one and yeah it's pretty incredible that he where he was, was waiting for this book, waiting for you to write this book, waiting to receive it. Yes. And and you were on your own journey, not yes. really knowing where it was going until mm-hmm. it went, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what happens with a book. Yes. It starts to reveal itself to the author, really. Yes. Right? Yes. 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 I mean, it's phenomenal uh, yeah. that these types of things are have happened. They've mm-hmm. happened to you. They're happening now and they'll yeah. happen in the future. Yeah. Um, and that they are real live things and mm-hmm. that we are connected. I mean, it really humbles Absolutely. me and humbles yes. you, I imagine, too. Absolutely. Yes. So is, humbling. Is when it's all revealed to you, it's like, holy smokes. Yes. I yes. wish I would have known. I know. <laughs> I kept it a secret all along. I know. And that all of this is going on in, in the universe and you're a part of it and you have no idea. We have no idea. Yeah. And our energy. Yeah. Yeah. 
our energy in our body is so far outreaching that we have yes. no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and this is the awakening we're coming into. It's of an the awakening. interconnectedness of all life. There's no separation. Yeah. And how an individual person like you yourself has made to the world is unbelievable. Yeah. And that you knew to listen. Yes. And follow. Yes. And write. Yes. And sort of like in a wonderment too about it. Yes. Right. And I've always said that. That's a was that's a wonderful point that you you make. Because I've always said to myself, I am both the participant and the observer. Because I get to I participate, but I get to sit back and say, wow. Oh. You know, yeah. It's like, this is incredible. And I'm always awed by mm-hmm. this phenomenal, you know, dance yes. that I get to witness. That yeah. you get to witness because you recognize it. Yes. It's incredible. Uh, to be part of it, but I'm seeing it at the same time. You're part of it, but you're seeing it. Yeah. Yes, I'm observing it at the same time. And it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And like Maya Angelou said, I wouldn't give anything for my journey. (laughs) Yes, I know. Yeah. No, it's uh, uniquely yours. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty powerful. Yeah. You know, it's incredible to be in your presence. Oh, you know, I've been so present in your presence because your energy, and we're in a Zoom call, but your energy is affecting my energy, affecting my cells and my body, mm-hmm. affecting how I'm thinking. And I just, I love it. You're, it's almost like, you know, having a bag of chips. Like, I just, I want more. <laughs> I, I just want to keep on eating. But, uh, you know, we have a time frame for a podcast. So. <laughs> this thing called time on planet Earth, right? <laughs> and that's an illusion, too. Yes, absolutely. Right? And that's an illusion. It, it has its purpose. <laughs> yeah. So, bless you. Thank you so much, Rhonda. I so appreciate it. And thank you for being you. Well, and thank you for gracing myself and my audience with your beauty, with your soulfulness, and the bounty that you have to give to others is just far outreaching. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. With pleasure. (laughs) I, as I said, in service to the light. In service to the light. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks again. Theme song for the Rhonda Grant Show is Sun on the Water, composed and performed by my friend John Park Wheeler. This is Rhonda Grant with the Rhonda Grant Show, author of Magical Forces Within, Extraordinary Discoveries in an Ordinary Life, inviting you to look for the magical forces within yourself today and every day. Thanks for tuning in to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you would like to find out more information about Rhonda and her upcoming guests and the work that she does, go to her website, rhondagrantauthor.com. That's rhondagrantauthor.com. Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax.